Heavenly Father, Lord, there's many hands raised here locally, and I'm sure there's more raised. For Father, you know every need, Lord, and what is distance to you, Lord, for you are omnipresent, Lord, and you know all things. Lord, wherever you are invited, you are there, for you said that if any man would open the door, you would come in and sup with them. Father, we throw wide every door tonight. Lord, bearing, laying bare our needs, Lord, before you, casting them upon you, Lord, for we know that you care for us. Father, we need you to come in this hour, Lord, just to anoint your word once again, to speak to the hearts of your children and to feed your sheep once more. Father, would you come again in a special way, Lord? We've sung praises and songs of worship, Lord, and declared, Lord, with all our hearts, said amen as a sister's sung. You never fail, Lord Jesus. We fight battles on a daily basis. Some may be harder than others, but, Lord, you never fail. Father, if we can just put our trust in you, lean wholly on your name, O oh God, lift you up and give you the glory, the honor, and the praise that is due unto you. Father, we love you, Lord. We thank you for your grace today. We thank you for your mercy, Lord, that brought us safe to this service. Lord, we thank you, Lord, that we're able to gather like this. We thank you, Father, that we're able to stream in those that are not able to be here, the telephone connection. We thank you, Father, for such technologies that we could spread the word, that we could gather in one mind, in one accord. Lord Jesus, that we could come under the auspices of the Holy Spirit to speak the word of God. Lord, that it is the manifested word today. It is the light of the hour, Lord. We believe it with all our hearts. We don't care how much the devil wants to attack any individual or how much he wants to attack the bride as a whole. Father, you never fail. And Lord Jesus, we put ourselves into your hands tonight. I pray, Father, you'd come in a special way. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen. 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 I want to start the service perhaps a little different tonight. And, and uh, thank you. That's all the singing we will do for now. We have with us some, I have some um, pictures I would like to put up and, and uh, some things I would like to share. So if you'd like, you can have your seats for a, a moment. Go ahead, brother, if you want to put the picture up there. We know very well who this is, Brother Ron Spencer and his son, Brother Andrew. We know we've been praying for him for a long time, believing for victory and knowing that we had the victory through the Lord Jesus. I want to just say this is a couple pictures from the last few weeks of our journey, Brother Ron writes us and says, Since learning of melanoma, the melanoma moved to the brain. If you go to the next slide, Brother, brother uh, Mark, says that there, one of the tumors was, that was removed about the size of a lemon because it was bleeding. You can see the, two, the tumors there in the yellow, I believe, is the tumors there. 
They were quite large. And he said, the one was about the size of a lamb. And then said, the only reason it was caught was because I went blind in my left field of vision. The doctor said I would have never made the next scheduled appointment. So in the midst of this huge battle, there are huge miracles going on just to preserve our life. Our King Jesus is mighty in battle. He is greater than this cancer. Amen. He went through several treatments. If you go to the next slide, this is what they call gamma knife uh, surgery, I believe. That's the outfit he's suited with. And he's been through all of that. And he says, one of the doctors called me today, and she called me royalty. Said all the doctors loved us. God gave us favor. Catch that. God gave us favor. One lady doctor came in and prayed with me. You want to talk about having an influence? A doctor came in and prayed, spending about 30 minutes. She said, you are standing between. Remember, the doctor, she said, you are standing between the devil and the deep blue sea. She said, all the doctors in their meeting said, we will throw every resource against this cancer, and his God will help him. Hallelujah. Amen. Even the doctors begin to worship. His God will help him. Then she cried and prayed for me. It was a moment. I want to go to the next slide. This is Brother Ron here after going through all of those surgeries. Two surgeries, gamma knife radiation, uh, gamma knife surgery, two brain surgeries. Going through all of that, he stands there. This is Sunday morning. Good morning. I want to thank God this morning that I'm home, out of ICU. I've had two, two brain, a brain surgery and then had a gamma knife surgery and I'm home now and I'm ready for church this morning dressed boob devil amen that's wonderful if you go to the next slide Brother Ron's admonition was, on Sunday morning, give the devil no space. Beat him again this Sunday, and I'll say this Wednesday. In whatever capacity you can, charge. Show him zero mercy. Cause him to go back to hell, asking to have to stay there, away from this power in the blood of Jesus Christ. He says, yes, I still am alive, and may all hell continue to know it. <laughs> Hallelujah. I want to just point out for a moment, he's at home. This is Sunday morning. He's getting ready for church. He's sitting in front of a computer, streaming in a tie, in a suit. He was having church. His words were, if we're going to go there, we might as well look the part. If we're going to worship God, we might as well look like we're going to worship God. 
I want to spend some time this tonight on, on, and just maybe have a shorter service on keeping your fire burning on the altar. And I want to take a little time on the family altar. This is a time where, as you can clearly see, we only got less than 50 people here tonight by government regulations. Many people are at home having a family altar, gathered around, listening to the Word of God. I'd encourage you tonight, and if you're not sitting there tonight dressed up, go get dressed up. If Jesus was going to come by your house tonight, would you want to be there in your pajamas? Or would you want to be there in a tie? In a suit jacket. I, I streamed Sunday night with my family. We all dressed up. I dressed just like this. My family sat there. My wife dressed up. Thank you, Brother Virgilio. My, my sons, they sat there dressed up in the, front, in the front pew. I let them sit in the front pew right in front of the screen. And I sat in the back with my wife. We had church. We got there a half an hour early. We had time of prayer on our knees. We got before God. We prayed with one another. You say it's not that we don't have to be in a church building. We could be in our own homes. We could be in front of our computer. We could be gathered around a, a, a family altar book, a message book, a Bible. It doesn't matter. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. If he met them in an upper room, if he met them in a house praying for Peter when Peter was in prison, and he, they met them there in the house, I believe it was of Dorcas, forgive me if I'm wrong on that, but he was gathered in that house, and Rhoda was the one who came to the door to get Peter. What happened? Peter was in prison, chained to guards. They didn't get together in a church. They went to somebody's house. And they begin to pray and they begin to get serious before God around a family altar. And God met them there even so much that God blinded the eyes of guards and guards and brought Peter right out. When I said I wanted to start the service differently, I didn't mean this way. This is fresh. (laughs) Hallelujah. But I want to start it now by just reading you a story that was sent to me this week that I thought was absolutely phenomenal from the year of 1875. If you've been researching at all the, the, the current plague that's been going on, then you probably ran into something in a concordance with the bubonic plague, which happened in 1875. And the story was, begins with a man by the name of John Alexander Dowie. He was a pastor of a church in Sydney, Australia, when the bubonic plague struck around 1875. He buried 40 members of his church in less than a month. And four more people from his congregation died and were yet to be buried. Many others became sick with this awful plague to which there was no cure. After visiting the many sick members of his flock one day, Dr. Dowie returned home, sat in his his study, his arms folded upon his desk, his head upon his arms, weeping before God. I want to take notice of something. There was a bubonic plague going on. They couldn't meet in large gatherings for fear that it would spread even quicker. They couldn't get together and have a church assembly. His church was dying. That's far worse than what we're facing today. That's like a 50% or so death rate. This has got a 1%. Far from it. But his church was dying, so where did he go? He went home. He folded his arms on his own altar, and he began to pray before God and weep before God, and he began to ask the Lord, God, is everybody going to die? 
Are you going to take everybody? Where did this plague come from? Are you the author of this? He was heart sick at the thought of the families that would be torn apart by the plague, at the children that would be left orphans. Let's stand to our feet. As I'm going to read my text here, you don't have to turn to it. You can put it just on the screen on Acts chapter 10. Where Alexander Dowell later wrote in his words and found Acts chapter 10 verse 38 stood out before him as a light showing Satan as the defiler and Christ as the healer. It says how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power who, sent to, who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil. I want you to say that with me. And healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. Praise be to God. This wasn't a some people. Jesus healed all of them. Everyone that came to him, Jesus healed them. It didn't matter if the oppression was a physical sickness or whether it was a, a mental illness or something in the mind. He was able to heal it. You remember the blind man that Jesus healed of his eyes that were blind and he began to open his eyes and he said, I see men as trees walking. He didn't understand it because his mental faculties couldn't comprehend what his eyes were giving him as data. So Jesus then turned and he put his hands over his eyes once again and healed his mind. He was able to heal the physical sickness. He was able to heal the, 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 the mental illness. It wasn't anything to God. Anyone that is oppressed of the devil, whether it be a physical, whether it be a fear, whether it be of anxiety, whether it be of depression or whatever Satan desires to put on you, he is the healer of it. Amen. Amen. You may have your seats. He says, my tears were wiped away. Dr. Dowie said, my heart was strong. I saw the way of healing. The door there too was wide open. So I said, God help me now to preach the word to all the dying around and tell them how to Satan who defiles and Jesus still delivers. For he's just the same today. That's 1875 and I'll say in 2020, he's just the same today. Amen. Praise be to God. Dr. Dowie now, uh, or sorry, it says he didn't have to wait very long. Within minutes, two young men burst into his study, pleading breathlessly, Oh, come at once, Mary's dying. Dr. Dowie ran down the street after them, not even pausing to take his hat. He was furious that Satan should, should have attacked this innocent young member of his flock. Dr. Dowie enters Mary's room and found her in convulsions. Her medical doctor, having given up on her, was prepared to leave. He turned to Dr. Dowie and remarked, Sir, the doctor said, Sir, are not God's ways mysterious? But the revelation that Dr. Dowie had just received from the Word of God was still burning in his heart. God's way, he thundered. How dare you call this God's way? No, sir, that is the devil's work. He challenged the physician who happened to be a member of his congregation. He said, can you, pray for the, can you pray the prayer of faith that saves the sick? And the doctor replied, you have, you, you're too much excited, sir. Tis best to say God's will be done. And the man left. Excited, Dr. Dowie thought. The word was quite inadequate for he was almost frenzied with divinely imparted anger and hatred of that foul destroyer. 
disease which was doing Satan's will. Now we wrote, it is not so, he exclaimed, no will of God sends such cruelty. And I shall never say God's will be done to Satan's work. For God's own son came to destroy, and this is one of them. Oh, how the word of God was burning in my heart. Furious at Satan's work, Dr. Dowie then prayed the prayer of faith for Mary, and the girl's convulsions immediately ceased. She fell into a deep sleep, so deep, so much so that the mother was worried she died. She isn't dead, the triumphant Mr. Dowie assured her. After several minutes, Dr. Dowie awakened Mary. She turned to her mother and exclaimed, Mother, I feel so well. Dr. Dowie quietly thanked God and went into the next room where Mary's brothers and sister lay with the same plague. After prayer, they too were also completely healed. And from that day on, John Alexander Dowie ministered to his flock in divine healing and continued to pray for their healing. And because of his belief in divine healing, he never lost another of his church members to the plague. Jesus never fails. Hallelujah. Here's a man that got a hold of a revelation. It didn't matter if it was 1875 or when Jesus was here on earth or when Brother Branham was here on earth or today. If you get a hold of a revelation of the Word of God, it's Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. Praise be to God. He just got a hold of that and he recognized Satan has no right. He's already a defeated foe, so we need to quit dwelling on what Satan is doing and start dwelling on what God has already done. Hallelujah. Go with me to Matthew chapter 16. Should be a very familiar portion of Scripture to us all. Matthew chapter 16 and verse 6. I do have to say, with all of the cleaning regulations, this is the shiniest this pulpit has ever been. It's very well polished. Matthew chapter 16 and verse 6. Then said Jesus unto them, Take heed. And beware the leaven of the Pharisees and of the Sadducees. And they reason among themselves because it it is because, they said it is because we have taken no bread. Which then Jesus perceived and said unto them, notice he was talking spiritually and they thought he was talking naturally. But he says then he perceived and he said, O ye of little faith, why reason ye among yourselves because ye have brought no bread? Do ye not remember, do ye not yet remember neither... Do you not yet understand, neither remember the five loaves of the 5,000 and how many baskets he took up? Neither the seven loaves of the, of the 4,000, how many baskets he took up? In other words, he's saying, don't worry about the natural. I'm more than able to take care of the natural. 
Don't be so consumed with the, with the natural things of life and what's going on in the world today. I'm more than able to take care of it. There were people that were hungry and I fed 4,000. There were people that were hungry again, I fed 5,000 with nothing more than a few loaves and a few fishes. God, he says, I'm able to take care of the natural. I'm not talking about naturally here. I'm talking about something that's deeper than that. He says now, verse 11 now it is that ye do not understand that I spake it not unto you, that I spake it not to you concerning bread, that ye should beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and of the Sadducees. Then understood they how he bade them to beware the leaven, not beware the leaven of bread, but of the doctrine of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Then when Jesus came up, came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples saying, Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? Now I want to just take a step back and say, Beware the leaven. Well, what was the leaven that he was warning them of? He says that they understood that they were talking. He was talking about the doctrine of the Pharisees and of the Sadducees. What was their doctrine? Their doctrine, their leaven, really had two prongs to it. And both of them stemmed from man's theology or man's ideology of the Word of God. Where they thought it meant something, therefore they took it that way. But the first prong of this was that they... That they publicly could uphold and defend the law of the letter regardless of their private life. Because the Pharisees and the Sadducees, what was the leaven? Jesus would say in Matthew 23, oh you hypocrites. That you have like a clean glass on the outside but inside is filthy. It's dirty. What's he saying? What's private isn't right. You've got the outside, right? You look good to everybody else. You come to church three times a week. You do all these things. You dress right. You act right. You talk right. But in the private time, there's something wrong on the inside of the inside. There's something wrong in your heart. The second one, the second problem with their, with their leaven was that there was a belief in, that, there was, that the belief in Revelation was by a group. They had their, 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 their counsel that they would have, and if anything was to come, it had to come through that counsel. They wouldn't accept Jesus' theology because he didn't come from their schools. They wouldn't accept it because it didn't come their way. It had to come through their ideas, through their teaching, through their counsel. It had to be one of their members because they were the leaders. It was never me and God. It was us. They had to have this idea that it was us. And when a prophet came, God always used one individual. You show me a time in the Bible where God used a counsel to perform his wonders. I'll show you time and time and time and time and time again where God took one man. One man called Elijah that thought he was all alone. That said, there's nobody else but God said, I've reserved 7,000 for myself. That have not bowed the knee to Baal. But he didn't realize that. He said, I'm all alone. Nobody's out there. But God could use one man to turn an entire country upside down. He could use one man to turn the world upside down. Hallelujah. After warning them of the, of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees, immediately in the next scripture as we read it, he, as he takes them and now he gets away from the Pharisees and the Sadducees and it's just him and his disciples in the coast of Caesarea Philippi and he begins to turn to them and he says, who do you say? Why is he asking this question? He's not saying, who do you all say? But who do you personally? 
What is this to you personally? What are you going to do about it? Well, what about your revelation? Do you believe the Word of God individually for yourself in your private time or your own bedroom? What's your family altar about? Is it I'm praying to Isaiah, I'm praying to Moses, I'm praying to Elias, I'm praying to this one, that one? No, what do you say it is? Oh, my. What about the private of your room in your innermost thoughts? Is it thinking, well, but Brother Branham's got to come again. We need another great ministry. We need another. Is it God, you and me personally? Hallelujah. They even tried to say to him what the group thought. Some say, some say, some say this. We could say it today. Some say this in this message church. They say it's this way. In this message church, they say it that way. In that message church, they say it this way. But what about you? What about in your home? What do you believe personally when you get around with your family? How do you pray? How do you believe? Is it real to you there? We're at a time where the majority right now has to be streaming through, a, through an online streaming service. It's a sobering time. It is. We, we never thought the churches would close this way. We never thought this would happen. We knew there would come a time when they'd close the churches. We don't know if this is the fulfillment of that or not. I don't pretend to know it all. But I'll tell you one thing for sure. We didn't really think we'd ever be meeting here 50 people. Who knows what it'll be next week? We've got no idea. But one thing for sure, it's a sobering time. You can't hide in a church setting and just blend in with the group revelation and just come by acquaintance and you can't have a rapture by acquaintance. You can't say, well, I went to this church. I believe what they believe. Therefore, I go to rapture. No. What do you believe in your private time? What's your family altar about? We read the scripture Sunday morning, but we'll go to it again in Joel chapter 2 in verse 15. We'll just go through it real quickly. If you put it up, it says, blow the trumpet in Zion. Zion is a type of the pride. This isn't a scripture for Jews. This isn't a scripture for anybody else. This is for the Zion. This is for the bride of Christ. Blow it to the bride. Say, sanctify a fast. Call a solemn assembly. Not just an assembly of yourselves together to joke and, and chat and get around and sit in your pajamas in the, in the bedtime and put the computer out there and be comfortable in church. It's a solemn assembly. It's a time to get serious before God and say, I'm, I'm serious about this. This is what I'm here for, Lord. Amen. Gather the people. Sanctify the congregation. You say, Brother Andrew, we can't gather the people together. We just got 50. We just got this many. No, gather the people in one mind. Gather them in one accord. Thank the Lord we got technology to be able to gather together like this so that you can hear the preaching of the Word. There's places today that can't even meet at all. They've just got to go through some kind of online thing or hopefully they can have some fellowship or something. They can't meet at all because the government shut it right down. So we thank the Lord. It says, call, assemble the elders. It says, gather the children. 
The ones that suck the breasts, in other words, don't let them be running around. I know there's a lot of distractions at home. There's a lot of other things to do at home. It's easy to let the children go out and play because mom and dad could just focus more on the service and they can go play and have a good time. This is a solemn assembly. Gather them all together. Make this about the Lord. Let the bridegroom go forth from his chamber and the bride out of her closet. We spent that on Sunday morning. Verse 17 says, Let the priests, the ministers of the Lord, weep between the porch and the altar. Let them say, Spare thy people, O Lord, give thy, and give not thine inheritance to reproach, that the heathen should rule over them. Wherefore should they say among the people, Where is their God? I want you to notice it says, Let them weep between the porch and the altar. It talks about an altar. Let the priest, who's the priest, the ministers of the Lord, we want to put that on ourselves, but every father, every head of every home is the priest to that home. You have a responsibility before God for your family. Praise be to God. I encourage you if, you, if you want to know about that, we have a podcasting, uh, a podcast system. It's on Spotify. I think it's on Apple. I think it's on some other ones. If you don't know, go on the website and look. But on there, you can get on there. There's services. Brother Aaron McGarry took about a month or so ago. Really good services on, on the father being the priest of the home and the family life. Go listen to those if you want to know what that's all about. But you've got a, a responsibility before God as the head of the home. Don't leave it up to the wife. Man. Don't leave it up to your wife to say, well, she's got to get the kids together. You get the kids together. You help out. You make it a solemn assembly. You put them in your place. Say, but Andrew, that's straight, yeah. We're living in hard times. It's time to get serious, church. Be honest with you, say the time for playing church is over. Yeah, you can't even play church now if you want to. The government won't let you. So literally, it's over. <laughs> Never thought I'd have to say Trudeau will back me up on that, but he does. <laughs> I don't mean that as a joke. I mean that as we're living in a serious time. But we have an altar. Go to Hebrews chapter 13. As I said, I really don't want to be long tonight, so I'm trying to wrap it up already. Stay with me. I've got several prayer requests at the end. I just, oh my. Trust that you can feel the burden. I, I, I just feel so burdened on my heart tonight, saints. Yesterday, just laying before the Lord, weeping in my room. Are we really serious enough? Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 8. This is a very familiar scripture. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. Be not carried about with diverse and strange doctrines, for it is a good thing from the heart to establish, to, 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 that the heart be established with grace, not with meats, which have not uh, profited them that have been occupied therein. 
We have an altar whereof they have no right to eat which serve the tabernacle. Hallelujah. We have an altar. Saying this is going beyond what the Jews had in the blood of bulls and goats. Those that serve the tabernacle that come and sanctify and they sacrifice. Those things had their day. But now we have a blood that speaks greater things. A covenant that speaks greater things. Amen. It's not a sprinkling. It's a covering over. It's a complete covering. I say, Lord, keep us under the blood of Jesus Christ. Because this is our altar. He is our altar. That we can come to him. It says, for the bodies of those beasts whose blood is brought into the sanctuary by the high priest for sin are burned without the camp. Therefore, Jesus also, that he might, be, might sanctify the people with his own blood, suffered without the gate. Let us go forth, therefore, unto him without the camp, bearing his reproach. Don't be stuck in our ways. See, this is the way we've always done it. That was the Pharisees' trouble. They were so stuck in their ways and their living that they said, no, this is the traditions that we have to stay with. But Jesus came to sacrifice himself to sanctify the congregation. But they they couldn't stay in their temple, in their nice places, in their nice church and worship here. They had to go beyond that. They had to go into a secret place where it was just them and Christ. We have to go into a secret place where it's just us and Christ. Brother Brandon preaches a message called going beyond the camp. Don't try and stay and say, well, this is what the group says. No, it's coming out to be personal. It's the blood of Jesus that was shed for me. Oh, praise be to God. Hallelujah. He is our altar. And he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. The same way they approached him in the Bible, we have example after example after example. The same way Brother Branham was able to approach him, example after example after example. Oh, my. He's the same today. Brother Branham would talk in the message just once more. Lord, he says... Are you assemblies of God, as a general assembly? Are you ready to die? Methodist, Baptist, Presbyterian, are you ready to die out to your enemy? Are you willing to pay the price of, of sacrifice really, sincerely? Not just come and say, well, I'll give it a try and see how I come out. Are you really ready? You must be ready to pay the price and die. You fathers, you mothers, are you ready to establish an altar in your house? To take out the television? Are you ready to take out the deck of cards from off the table? Those comic books that your children's reading, preparing their little minds for a blast the devil's going to give them. What's he talking about? Useless entertainments. That you're feeding your children with. Why? Because we're so busy as parents that we can't have time to spend with them. And it's destroying, it's crumbling the family altar because other things have crept in to take their place. Brother Branham says this. He says that, that we've joined the church and settled down. Said, oh, that's not necessary. Or that's all that's necessary. Just joining the church. Sin is so sneaky. It sneaks right up on you before you know it. That's the way it does. It just grabs you like an old toboggan slide used to be. And off you go. 
Oh my, the devil's done that. Time and time again, Lord, sanctify our homes. Get all the trash out. Get all the leaven out. All the ideologies that, well, when I come to church, we're good. You can't come to church anymore. Your church is in your home. It's your home worthy of the gospel. You say, oh, but we've sanctified this altar. We've sanctified this pulpit. We've sanctified these pews. What about your home? Is that a place where you'd say, I'm ready for Jesus to come here. I'm not ashamed of anything in this home. I've got the message on display. I've got the Bible on display. And I've got it in my heart. Oh, my. I've often thought recently, with all that's going on, I thought, Lord, what if my mother was to walk in this room? Would I be ashamed? The saints will rise. We will see them. Are you ready to receive them? We take a faith. You want something, you got to have faith to take steps towards it in order to properly receive it. You hear the testimony, someone wants a wife, he puts a dress in his closet and begins to pray that he'll have a wife that's going to fit that dress. You want a baby, you go get the crib, you get the baby room ready, you got faith for that baby. Come on. You got faith for that. What about receiving your loved ones? Are we making ready for that? Or are we just carrying on any old way if they were to walk in the room and I'm sitting there playing a mindless entertainment? Are we sincere in our walk with the Lord? If they were to walk in the room and we're busy streaming a service from somewhere down south eating popcorn with our bunny slippers on. That was the joke last weekend, so there you go. Are we really ready? Would we receive them? The devil's preparing those little minds for a blast. Let me tell you something. We've been praying all year because we put Landon in a, in, a, in a public school. and Oh, my. They got all kinds of screen time, screen time, screen time. And we've talked to the teachers. We've talked to the principal. We got some a friend of ours that she's talked to the the, the 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 school board about it even, and they just they just say oh there's nothing wrong with it there's nothing wrong with it what are you talking about they they got they got no uh, respect towards the parents really, but they they're they're trying to push these things that's the way the world's going, screens and all of these things and they're watching YouTube and this and that little children kindergarten. I've been praying about it, praying about it. I never thought my prayers would be answered with the school being shut down. <laughs> but sometimes I suppose that's what it takes. I don't know if that's the answer to my prayer, but you know what? It happened. And he's not in school anymore. We don't have to deal with that anymore. But we had to pray about it. But that's the way the world's going, so that's what it's out there. We ought to be going the other direction. Not going further and further than that. Say, well, we got to get used to it. They got to get used to it. No, we need the Lord in our homes. We need God on our minds. We need to put them on our knee and teach our children. We don't want to raise a generation that doesn't know what happened in William Branham's day. We don't want to raise a generation that doesn't know Bible stories. I'd rather have my son going around whistling a tune. There's power in the name of Jesus. Than him walking around whistling a tune. Itsy bitsy spider. 
What would you rather have? I'd rather have them singing there's power in the name of Jesus to break every chain because out of the mouth of babes. Oh, hallelujah. The Bible says, are you ready to establish the old family altar again? Or do you just want to continue the way you are? You want to continue on. You're not in condition of coming yet. But I pray that you're like Samson. You see the price and you're ready. Lord, let me die with them. Whatever it takes, Lord, let me sanctify my house. Whatever it takes, let me establish the family altar again. Let me have devotions in the morning with my children. Let me have devotions in the evening time. Oh, praise be to God. Trust those of you that are staying at home now because you can't go to work. You save yourself 45 minutes on a, on a commute. Spend that 45 minutes with your children praying. I'm still working right now, but I don't know how long that's going to be. What I do know is I, I, I am looking forward to some more time with my family. I just look at the positive. I, I'm tired of looking at what Satan's doing. All right, I just want to look at what God can do. Say, so, Lord, what are you trying to do in all this? What are you trying to show us? Where are you trying to bring us to? Now, brother, Satan's done taking you on a toboggan ride. But now let's get plumb back off his territory. Remember what I said? That's what they're doing out there. That's what they're doing out there, watching all kinds of things, filling their minds with all kinds of entertainments, doing all kinds of terrible jokes and things. Let's get off his territory. Let's not bring his territory into our house. Let's make this our territory, God's territory. Let's come back to God, come back to the altar, rebuild the altar again that's been torn down and build up your home doesn't say build up your church. It's right here in the message, Expectations 1961. He says, build up your home. And he says it again. Take them cards off the table. And all of them old love story magazines. Open up the Bible. Read the Bible and pray. Just don't get down and say, bless my family, Mary, Joe, John, all of them. Get in the bed. No, sir. Stay there with God. Just stay there with God. You see, for my children, they can't handle that. Stay there with God. Show them an example. You're the only example they'll ever see in a home life. Praise be to God. Show them what it means to repent. Show them what it means to call out on God. Show them what it means to get right with the Lord. Hallelujah. Take this time. Step out of the rat race. Slow down with your family. Study the word. Pray together. Be the high priest of the home. In the message expectation, 1955, Brother Brown says, God, I pray that you'll mend up the broken homes and make the ones that's in homes that's indifferent, fathers and mothers who doesn't pray, give them an experience tonight that they'll start a family altar in their home. That was the desire of Brother Brown when he began to bring the message of the hour. He said it wasn't a desire to see message churches all over the world. Those things are wonderful, and we thank the Lord for every single one. But it was that there would be a family altar in the home where God would be glorified and sanctified and lifted up by parents, by children. Hey. Hallelujah. 
Oh my, we preached a long time. This isn't a three time a week religion. This is a Monday morning religion. This is a Monday night religion. This is a Tuesday morning religion. This is a day and night religion. This is a Friday night religion. Oh my, the world's got their parties. We have a better party. It's called liberty of the sons of God. In Exodus, the 12th chapter, talks about the children of Israel partaking of the Passover. And in verse 14, it says, And this day shall be unto you for a memorial, and you shall keep it as a feast to the Lord throughout your generations. Not just this one, not just the one that saw Brother Branham, not just the next one, throughout your generations. Ye shall keep the feast as an ordinance forever. Jesus Christ is saying yesterday, today, and forever. He doesn't change. Seven days ye shall eat unleavened bread first. Even the first day ye shall put away leaven out of your houses. It doesn't say put it out of your churches. It says put it out of your houses. Get it out of the private place. Get it out of your closets. Get it out of your bedroom. Every bit of sin, every bit of self-ideology. Say, I can go in on this. I can go in my own way. No, get it out. Say, God, i got to meet you on the backside of a desert if that's what it takes. says, and in the first day there shall be a holy convocation. In the seventh day there shall be a holy convocation to you. No manner of work, oh my. The first day of the week, the seventh day of the week, it doesn't matter. Let it be a holy convocation to God. Lord, I give you this day. Thank the Lord for that, that podcast. Brother Jeffrey, I know you're listening. God bless your heart. You put that together. My, I listened to that song over and over. They, they sang it up here. Lord, I give you this day. I give you this moment. This one's yours, Lord. I give you my Sunday. I give you my Monday. I give you my Tuesday. This time is yours, Lord. What would you have me do today? Oh, my, if you go back to church. Oh, where are we at? I said I wanted to preach short tonight. Let me just go right on to, on to 1 Kings as we're closing. 1 Kings chapter 18. Lord, forgive me. I didn't want to preach this long. 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 36. This is Elijah up on Mount Carmel. This is, and it came to pass. We know Elijah, he took and he rebuilt the altar. He rebuilt it. He dumped water on it. He put the sacrifice on it. He put the wood on it. He did everything according to the Lord. And he didn't just walk away. He didn't say, I've done my part now, it's good enough. No, sir. He says, at the time, came to pass at the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice, Elijah the prophet came near to what? The altar. And and they said, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, or Jacob, let it be known this day that thou art God in Israel, and that I am thy servant, and that I have done all these things at thy word. Hallelujah. Hear me, O Lord, hear me, that this people may know that thou art the Lord God, that thou hast turned their heart back again. Notice he didn't stop after verse 36 where he said, I've done all this at thy word. He stayed there and began to pray. And he began to enter in and say, hear me, O God. Hear me, O God. 
Lord, I'm entering in. I've got something to go beyond the camp. I'm not just interested in a nice prayer or a nice shelter and a nice sacrifice. I need an answer. Hear me, O Lord, hear me, that this people may know that thou art the Lord God and that thou hast turned their heart back again. Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice and the wood and the stones and the dust and licked up the water that was in the trench. Hallelujah. What happened? There was an action upon the altar. There was action that took place. It wasn't a still altar. It wasn't a nothing happened. That was a beautiful prayer. No, there was something that happened, something that took place right at the altar. Hallelujah. Notice it says that... uh, that they may, that thou hast turned their heart back again. What did this message come to do? Praise God. Amen. Turn the hearts of the children back to the faith of the Pentecostal fathers. How's it going to do that? It's got to get in the home. It's got to be a solemn assembly in the home. It's got to be a prayer meeting in the home. The same way it started back there where they were willing to cry out to God. Said, Lord, we're in trouble here now. What would you have us to do? Your servant Peter, they just beheaded James. They just did this terrible thing. What about Peter? He's scheduled to be beheaded tomorrow. What must we do? If you're wondering where that story is, it's in Acts chapter 12. But that was the prayer that they began to cry out to God and the angel of the Lord came down. Right through prison doors, right through guards, right through more guards, more prison doors, chained to guards on either side. He said, get up, Peter. There's a people that's praying for you. Let me encourage you, saints, both here and on the streaming, forget the distractions that Satan has desired to distract you with. What is this current thing? It's nothing but fear that has gripped the hearts of the people. It's a distraction to pray for what's really needed. We've got needs in the body that we've been praying for diligently. We've been praying for Brother Ron Spencer. Continue to pray for him. There's more than that. Oh, my. Rebuild the altar. Prove that God is God. Don't allow the distraction of Satan's program to stop up your prayers. What about bearing one another's burden? Bearing one another up in love before the Lord. Remember the Ron Spencer. Remember the, the believers facing real persecution in the Middle East, in China. There's a place where we can touch Jesus. I encourage you, when you go home tonight, those of you that are home, rekindle the fire tonight. Don't leave it till tomorrow. I know I preached longer than I hoped I would. But don't leave it for another day. Rekindle the fire. Make Jesus your altar. Go beyond what anyone else is doing. Who cares what your neighbor's doing? Who cares what someone else is doing? Go beyond that. Sanctify your family before the Lord. Oh, my. Let's stand to our feet. We have a God that can be touched. I want to just bring before you these prayer requests. I've said it several times about Brother Ron. We want to believe for a full deliverance.
We're not accepting part way. We're accepting a full deliverance. There's another prayer request that's come in from Brother Murphy Wong. Just three believers are still in jail in China. Brother Alvy just called me and said the police come to his hometown looking for him. He has to hide himself. Now the whole situation worsened. It's not only the Bible because they've been looking. If anyone was found with a King James Version Bible, it meant jail time. But this is not just that anymore. If they find also the printed message and they relate that to Canada, any of those can put them in jail for years. In other words, if they find you with a message book or they find you with a King James Version Bible, they'll put you away. That's real. That's not fear in the hearts of men. That's, that's real. It says, this is also going to affect many other message churches. I've already heard, and I'll say it this way. It's affecting the homes. They've got to hide themselves. It says, they've already heard yesterday the church on the Shushan Island visited, was visited by the police too. But the Murphy says, I don't know what the Lord wants to do or how long he'll allow this to go on, but I know God has saw this coming. We must have a plan for this whole situation. May he come on the scene, not only deliver those brothers, but also crash Satan's threatenings and his scheme to bring glory to his name. I say amen to that. Let us bind our hearts together tonight and pray. Say, Lord, bring an end to this. Bring an end to this scheme. Oh, my. I just want to pray tonight. Those of you that are streaming, you could just pray in your own way at home. Those that are here, if you want to, there's probably a few that could be at the altar, but maybe not. You just turn around and kneel in your own pew if you want to pray that way. If you just play something real softly, sister. Those of you that are at home just to pray with one another, sanctify our homes. Sanctify your life. Call of solemn assembly. Jesus is able to answer. Father Lord you know the needs of your people oh God you know everyone that's represented here tonight Lord Jesus you see every heart oh God how Satan has desired to bring glory unto himself. But Father, we want to lift up your name tonight. 
We want to bring glory and honor and praise to the King of kings and to the Lord of lords. We want to sanctify our homes. We want to give you the first place in our lives, oh God. We want to put on all the leaven from amongst us, Lord. Father, where there's still time, oh God, we don't want to allow Satan any more times that he would put us on a toboggan ride back down to the bottom of the hill. But Lord, we want to give our lives wholly to you. Say, Lord, have mercy on us, Lord Jesus. Father, you know the needs of your bride, oh God, that are for the Ron Spencer, Lord Jesus. Lord, we cry unto you, Lord. You are the healer of all our sicknesses and diseases. What is cancer before you, oh God? Lord, every demon in hell was conquered that day at Calvary. Lord, when you went down to hell, you took the keys. Lord, you conquered death. You conquered hell. You conquered the grave. You conquered cancer that day. By your stripes, we are already healed, Lord. Father, we claim it for our brother in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, you are real. Father, remember the saints in China. Lord, we beseech thee, O God. Lord, would you come on the scene, O God. Lord, you've loose ones from the prison before, O God. Would you chain the heart, change the hearts of the officials, Lord. Father, they've desired to persecute your believers, oh God. Lord, maybe there'd be more in China that would need to be saved. I'm sure there's more seed there, oh Father. Lord, there's a work to be done. Lord, would you pray? Oh, I pray, Lord, you would send laborers into the harvest, oh God. Send workers, Lord Jesus, that they would gather your grain together. For the hour is late, Lord. Oh Father. Lord, you are greater in us, Lord, than all the devils that are in the world. All the demons that are in hell, oh God, they don't have one thing on you. Lord, they're nothing but false witnesses before your people. Oh God, you are the mighty deliverer, the mighty conqueror. Blessed be your holy name, oh God. Blessed be your holy name. Oh, Jesus. Jesus, forgive us, oh God, of our shortcomings, Lord. Forgive us, Father, where we've fallen short, Lord Jesus. Lord God, we want you to be welcome in our homes, oh Lord. Lord, would you encourage, Lord, every father, the head of every home, Lord Jesus, to take his place, oh God. Lord, to be the high priest and sanctify his home, Lord Jesus. To apply the blood to the doorpost. Apply the token to every home, Lord Jesus. Oh, Father, we love you, Lord.